season two of the JKR podcast powered by Black Cobra Sports. My name is Jay Shriglin and I'm the host. Let's dig into today's episode after a word from our sponsor. Today's episode sponsor is Mind Baseball, located in Dallas, Texas. Their bats are made from 100% European beech wood, which allows for more density, which then leads to more power. I mean, who doesn't want more power? We all know chicks dig the long ball. Multiple studies prove that beech outperforms maple, birch, and ash that you're probably used to swinging. Beech wood straight grains mean for less breaks, and mine baseball exceeds the MLB regulations in that category. Are you also frustrated with seeing the dried paint spots on your barrel? Mine Baseball uses a family secret technique that leaves a perfect finish every time. If you set their bat next to another brand, you will make sure that you see the difference. Lastly, they also use a built-in grip to reduce vibrations. It is the same technology that is used to reduce recoil in rifles. Make sure to check them out. Go find them on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. Um, on Instagram, their username is at mine, M-I-N-E, baseball. Check them out, but let's dig into today's episode. And welcome back to the JKR podcast for the Texas 12 baseball series. Today we have Texas native 2025 TCU commit and Texas 12 pitcher and first baseman. We got Ryan Bevington on the JKR podcast. Ryan, super pumped to get you on the show. You're going to be the first player here on the Texas 12 baseball series. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. I'm very excited for this. Very happy to be the first texas 12 to be on here it's awesome thank you of course man all right so before we dig into the baseball side of things i have one question i like to ask everybody again on the podcast that is for those who don't know you how would you introduce yourself who exactly is ryan bevington yeah so i'm ryan bevington i'm 16 years old i go to school at straight jesuit college preparatory i grew up uh just loving the outdoors always going 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 never stopping so I love to be outside. I love to hunt, fish, everything like that. Most of all, I love baseball. Okay, I love baseball. I've grown up go. playing it. I love baseball. Yeah. So, that I mean, that's how we got connected. So, you know, I really appreciate, you know, baseball bringing us uh, together for this podcast. But digging into the baseball side of things, let's start out with the recruiting process, kind of how you ended up at TCU. I mean, I know they've been doing a lot of great things here these past couple of years. I've interviewed a couple guys who were also committed there, you know, this past, a couple months ago or so. Um, so just digging into the recruiting process, kind of take us through how that got started, maybe when you started getting noticed by some college teams, and just take us through that whole process a little bit. Yeah, so it it's kind of crazy how it happens. Like, it, it, it jumps on you, and it gets there fast. Like, so I was just playing baseball, just enjoying it, and then I woke up one day with the text from my coach, Greg Bennett. Um, it was, hey – I need you to call. No one came tonight at blah, blah, blah time. I think it was seven o'clock. I need you to call them at seven o'clock. So I had a call with AM. I went to a camp with them and then I got invited to a Baylor camp. And so I was talking to those two schools for a little bit. I got invited to a UT camp. Like it, it all just kind of, it jumps on you really fast. And I uh, woke up one day from a text from the coach on the team below us, Jeremy Knox. And um, he was like, I need you to call TCU. And so I was pumped for that, obviously. That's the school where my dad went. And so he kind of helped, like, encourage that. But that's always been, like, there was a picture of me on my commitment post, and I was nine years old, ten years old. I had those socks that go up to my knees and those neon shorts that hang down to my shins wearing my TCU hat with the baseball team. There we go. So, so yeah, it, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. It, so I mean, we, it all just jumps on you fast. Like yeah. it, it just happens. Yeah. So you mentioned, you know, UT, Baylor, 
A&M, and then TCU, obviously, where you went. Take us through what maybe some of those initial conversations were like. Were they very similar when you were talking to a collegiate coach for the first time? And then even a little bit further, what's going through your mind? Because, I mean, you didn't mention kind of your timeline, but, I mean, I'm sure you were full, maybe 14, 15 at the time. I mean, what's going through your mind as a 14, 15-year-old, you know, talking to a collegiate baseball coach? Take us through that a little bit. Yeah, so, like, you call them, and it's just basically tell them, it's like, tell them how your day was, what you did today, how's school, like, it, it's kind of like, it doesn't sound very professional, but it, it sounds like he's your friend, and you're just talking to him, like, they're just trying to get to know you, they, like, ask me what school I go to, ask me, like, how school is, like, just, it was very little baseball talk in the beginning, but, um, yeah, I got, like, the text, and, he was like, you need to call one of these schools. And like, what was going through my head? I was, I was pumped. Like I was so excited. Like it, it felt so surreal. Like it did not feel like real in the moment. It was awesome. Like it's, I don't know, just something about it. Just still, like, it still doesn't feel very, I can't wrap my mind around it. Yeah, I'm sure. So uh, were like all the initial conversations or even the conversations leading up to your commitment, were they very similar when it came to, you know, UT to Baylor to TCU, all the different other schools that came about? Or did it maybe a couple of schools have a different way of going about, you know, the recruiting process, you know, maybe becoming your friend in a way? Um, take us through that a little bit, like, and how they varied. Yeah, they're all pretty similar, I would say. It was like, like I said, just kind of like a, a, buddy talking to a buddy it was they were all pretty similar um like sometimes it would be like by the way we have a camp at this time at whatever day it is but yeah like to me they were all pretty similar they okay. were so you said you grew up a tcu fan you, in your commitment post there was like a nine-year-old pick of you you know wearing those tcu socks i believe is that's what is what you said uh, your dad yeah. TCU, but before TCU made it into that picture and you were talking to, you know, those other schools around the state, what were some of those key things that you were looking for within a university, within a coaching staff? What were some of those things that, you know, that you were kind of, um, I guess, grading the each school with um, in your mind? Yeah, I was just looking around like TCU has always been my number one. Of course, I'm a Texas boy and I think almost every Texas boy is number one or two school is A&M. So I looked there, they were, they were high, they were my number two. So I, I like, I looked around, I looked at the town, like in Fort Worth, the stockyards, those are awesome. It's centered around the rodeo. I love that. So I also look at the, the college life. I look at the coaches and the coaches from all those schools are great. They all are. They're all super nice, everything. Um, but I do, I just look around at everything like the, to the weight room, to the dorms, uh dining halls because like i don't know i i just want a place to feel like home you know yeah so being yeah. so being a tcu fan your entire life with your dad going there when they made their way into the mix and you know coach knox is texting you hey call the tcu coach here tonight like before i guess when they made it into their mix into the mix were they like your number one right away or like did you kind of maybe think about you know maybe going to a&m you said which was your second or how did that go? Like, take us through what went through your mind there. Yeah, so I was pretty close to AM before I knew TCU had any interest. They never offered, but yeah, they never offered me, but we weren't talking for that long. So I was talking to them for probably three or four phone calls. And then um, I went to some other camps. Um, and then TCU called. And TCU has always been my number one. I guess I was kind of born into that. Cause like, like I said, that's where my dad went. He loved it. And as of everything I've seen there, I love it too. But yeah, I, I pulled the trigger pretty fast on TCU, which is a, I don't regret it at all. Yeah. yeah I was, yeah. I'm happy for that. Yeah. I was, so I went to, I went to Texas this past spring and never been to Texas before. Like I said, I'm from the Midwest from Indiana. So yeah. you know, I'm like, you know, considered a country boy, but when you go down to Texas, I mean, it's a different level. And I went, yeah. Fort Worth was the city I went to. We went to the stockyards. We went to Billy Bob's, which obviously a bar. So obviously you've never, you know, been yeah. there, but I'm a college kid. I went to Billy Bob's, went around the stockyards and I was like, shoot, like, you know, Fort Worth is my, I love this place. Um, but no, 
you talk about that, but what was your visit like um, in, in Fort Worth in general and at, at the, on the TCU campus? Take us through, you know, maybe some things that they were showing you, um, some things that you really like and looking forward to, you know, when you do head there your freshman year. Yeah, so, of course, we were on the field playing and everything. So, it was like they toured us. It was mixed in with the camp. So, we were at the camp, and then one of the stations was like a 45-minute long station. They walked us around. Like, so, we went in through the uh, – there's like a, a hangout room by the locker room, and that's where they have this, like, huge fridge. It's, like, taller than me, wider than my wingspan, and it's just got a bunch of food in there. Um, and there were just kids chilling on the couch, um, playing Xbox. So you could just kind of chill there. And then they walked us through like the, the whole, um, uh, place that the whole place. And so they showed us like the dorms and everything they showed us, they walked us through the dining hall. And one really cool thing about the dining hall is they have like labeled foods. So like, the food would be labeled green. That's for like weight loss. Food would be, be labeled red for maintaining weight. And the other one, I forgot the other color, it's for gaining weight. So that's that's a cool thing. That's where the, I think it's, I think it's all sports actually. I think that's where they eat. And it's looking over the football field, like it's awesome. And then the dorms look nice. There's like a, like a main meeting area. Like I forgot the, I forgot the name but it's just this big, long stretch of grass with the frog fountain right there. And it, it's just awesome. Yeah. Like I just love the community there, everything about it. I'm sure. So how far where you're at in Richmond, how far is that from Fort Worth? It is about, so you pass A&M and everything. It's probably about five hours. Ooh. Okay. So do you think your parents will still get that chance to, you know, make it up to Fort Worth when you're, you're playing there here in a couple of years? Oh yeah. That they said they really want to do that. Yeah. They want to make, try and make all the, all the games. Yeah. And then since your visit, how often have you been to TCU? Was that kind of your only time or have you had the chance to make it up there again? No, I mean, my whole life, I've kind of been there watching football games and stuff. Um, I've been there a few times. I've watched a few baseball games. I've had probably two or three camps there. So I've, I've been around there a bit. Yeah. So you talk about TCU football. I mean, pretty good season here this year. Obviously didn't end the way you guys wanted to. I mean, Georgia's a hell of a football team. But what was that, I mean, this football season like, you know, how special it was for you, your family. Uh, what was that like for just the experience you guys had this fall? Yeah, it was awesome. Even though we didn't win, it was still a great season for the Frogs because we were we were definitely a big underdog. I don't know where they got it from, but, hey, I'm I don't care. They got it done, but no, it was awesome. It was my dad and I were watching it here with our TCU stuff on, yelling at the TV, go, go, go. It was, we were all so hyped for that. Yeah. It was awesome. So with you coming from a TCU family and you, you know, you always knowing that if TCU did, you know, give you that offer, you would probably, you know, commit there. Um, Can yep. you take us through what that day was when it finally hits you that you're okay. I'm going to TCU. I'm talking to the coaching staff, going to shoot them a text, shoot them a call. Uh, mm -hmm. what was that day like and just take us through you know how it was like you know committing to your you know just your family school your dream school what was that day like yeah so it was actually awesome so I was there at TCU that day for a camp so I was playing uh just at the camp uh, I got done with the camp uh coach Lord was like I need to talk to you but I'm gonna call you tonight about it so or actually he said I'm gonna call you like two nights from now when I'm back home so my dad and I went to the stockyards for dinner that night and we were getting out of the truck and my phone's ringing and it's coach Knox. He's like, Hey, you need to call Delora right now. So I was like, uh, did I do something wrong? Like, am I in trouble? So I called him when we were paying for our parking meter to get out of the truck. I called him and then he offered and it was awesome because it was just me and my dad in the stockyards and then I got the offer. It was, it was awesome. Yeah. So with you but being like, go ahead. It, it, sorry. It took um, two or three days. We, I called my mom after that. It took two or three days. We talked to my college counselor at straight Jesuit. That's my, my high school. Uh, we talked to him. So it took about two or three days. And then I called him at my house and said, I'm ready to commit. Like I'm ready to pull the trigger. Let's do it. 
Yeah. So with you staying within the state and staying home um, in Texas, do you know a lot of the other TCU commits? I mean, I know Nolan Traeger also is committed to um, TCU. Um, There's a lot of other Texas 12 players as well and a lot of players within the state. But do you have, you know, maybe some, you know, pre-existing relationships uh, with TCU commits or even guys playing there now? Yeah. So I uh, I've talked to some of the guys playing now, like so on the camps, they're just playing Xbox. I was like, what are y'all playing? And they just, we just got into a conversation and just, you know, just talking about random stuff. Like, they're all so nice. That's part of the reason I love it there. Everyone there is so nice. Like, you're not intimidated by anybody. They're all just pretty chill guys. And the 25 commits, um, we all have a group chat, uh, all of us together. So we were just talking on it actually about the camp uh, coming up. So we're all excited to see each other there. But there's one commit. Uh, two of the commits live in California, so I don't get to see them as often as I like because that's pretty far away. But one of the commits is actually on my team, Lucas Franco, and he is amazing. He's a dog. He's uh plays middle infield. I mean, not middle infield. He plays infield, and he can hit like no other. He is awesome. Yeah. Um. So – um, obviously you had a great relationship with that TCU coaching staff, you know, before you committed, you know, going through that camp, you know, talking to them on the phone, but how has that evolved now that you've been committed for a little bit? How has that evolved and how do you expect that to continue to evolve, you know, as you go through, you know, September 1st of your junior year and beyond um, just what, what are those relationships like? Yeah. So I still keep the conversations very open. Like I tell them about school and then I'll throw in some baseball and then I'll throw in like, I did really good on this test today. And they're like, okay, good. Keep it up. Like saying that I just got done working out and stuff. Like you just kind of, I guess it's still kind of the same, just kind of like a buddy, buddy talk about stuff. And they're like, sometimes they'll throw in some important stuff in there that they need to tell me. And so I'll write it down tell my parents, but it's still just pretty open. Just mm-hmm. talking about whatever. Yeah. So still being an underclassman, like how many players are actually committed in that 2025 class at TCU? I think there's four or five. Okay. So, I mean, there's not that many. So, I mean, I'm sure TCU, you know, still out there committing, uh, recruiting for that 2025 class. So with you being committed there at like, as an underclassman, still got a couple of years before graduation, have you, you know, played a role maybe in some of your teammates' recruiting process being like, all right, you know, go to TCU. Like, let's go ball out together in college. Yeah. I, ha- I have definitely tried to tell some of my friends like, Hey, we could be roommates. This is going to be fun. You need to do it. But, uh, yeah, Lucas Franco, I talked to him about it. I guess I probably pushed him to to commit, but that was awesome. But none of my teammates are really talking to TCU right now. Most of my teammates on 12 are committed already. Yeah, I mean, I know I was going through, I mean, so Coach Bennett or Greg or whatever you guys call him, he was, like, sending me, like, the rosters and, like, of, like, all right, who do you want to get on the podcast, this and that. And I was like, man, you know, TCU, A&M, whatever other schools were there. I was like, shoot, like, I mean, you guys, I mean, the whole roster is full of nothing but guys committed somewhere. Uh, But no, so digging more into the Texas 12, you know, now that we're on the topic, take us through how you got connected with the Texas 12. I know you're on, you know, Coach Bennett's son's team as well. So I know he's, you know, put a lot of time into that. He he talked, you know, quite a lot about that 2025 class for the Texas 12 when I was interviewing him. But just take us through, you know, how you got uh, like um, connected with the Texas 12. So it's actually a funny story. I was playing with the the Warriors. It was uh, I was playing with them for a while that's the team I grew up playing with it was a great group of kids great coaches it was a really fun group and so I figured it was time to make a move so I tried out um and I didn't make it and then I pitched against their team probably I want to say like a year or two later and then I did pretty good and then coach Bennett texted me or called me and said how would you like to play for one of the top teams against the top teams and then my, I remember sitting there and my jaw just dropped. Like it was, it was like that moment also was so surreal. It did not feel real in the moment. So I went there. Uh, it was kind of like a practice slash tryout for me, but it was just normal practice for them. And I remember I was pitching and this is when I first noticed that it was like the huge switch. I was pitching and then 
I forgot who it was, hit a tank into left center off of me. And then I see, I look back and I see Blaine Bullard diving like Superman out in the outfield. And he caught it. He was like, I got you, Bev. Threw it back. And it was just some of the craziest plays I've never seen made before. And it was, yeah, it was, this is a great group of boys and they show out. Yeah. So initially being cut. So I didn't know that, that you initially got cut from the Texas 12. Going into that game that you pitched pitched against them, you know, balled out. Was there a little extra motivation going into that? Or did you not think about that? Oh, for sure. There was for sure some extra motivation. I was like, I have to prove this. Like, I really want to play for this team. Like, because that team, our team is stacked. Like, it's full of dogs. Yeah. So when did you make that? So when did you make that switch from the Warriors to the Texas 12 then? Uh, It was three seasons ago. Okay. So what is that? What, 13 you at the time? Around there, yeah. Yeah, okay. So, you know, playing there now for three seasons, has the roster somewhat stayed the same? And then if it has or hasn't, like what are some of the relationships you have with some of the other players on that team? Yeah, it stayed generally the same. Like even if one kid got moved from top team down to the second team, they'll still fill in or go up to our team for the big tournaments, like Cary, North Carolina, which we finished second there last year. Um they'll fill up. So we're all just a really tight group of boys. Like we all love each other. Like it is, it's more than a friendship. Like it's really tight. It's really hard to describe it because we're just, we're really close. Yeah. I know coach Bennett talked about like having a family aspect to the Texas 12 with all the, within all their teams. Uh, but you know, dig, just digging a little bit more into relationships, what's your relationship like with Coach Bennett? Because I know, like, each coach kind of stays with each age group as they continue to move up. So with Coach Bennett, maybe some of the assistant coaches, what are some of those relationships like? Yeah, Coach Bennett, he's a great guy and a great coach. I have not seen or had a coach that is as dedicated to his players than him. He is, like, before our games, he's like, this is the time y'all need to be scared. This is the time y'all need to go home if you're scared, like joking around. And I guess in a way that's the part that kind of calms us down the most because he, he kind of shows that we, he knows what we can do and he tells us that. So we know what we can do and we know that we can ball out, especially as a group together, how close we are. Like he really helps us like calm down before games and he's very dedicated to his players. Yeah. So the Texas 12, you know, are one of those, you know, top tier legit travel baseball teams that when you think of travel baseball, I mean, you think of the 12, USA Prime, Canes National, I mean, those types of teams. But with you, you know, being an insider of this program for three seasons, what do you think has led to the success of the Texas 12 baseball program? Yeah, so kind of tying back to what I said, I think it's mainly because of Coach Bennett, like he always pushes us and like you said, when you think of elite travel ball teams, you think of 12, Canes Natty, like USA Prime, all of that. Like we know we have big shoes to fill and we know we have to ball out when we go to these big tournaments. Like we have to, one thing, like my motto I play by is prove it. Like you have to prove that you belong there. You have to prove what you can do. Like you just have to prove it. Yeah. And so that's kind of what's helped us just realize we have some pretty big shoes to fill. Mm-hmm. So out of all, you know, all the travel baseball memories that you've had in the past, you know, playing for the 12 for three seasons, playing for the Warriors, um, just looking back at it, what would be some of those favorite travel baseball memories that you have, you know, you know, just whether that's, you know, messing around the hotel room, maybe doing something, you know, fun, something stupid, or even doing something, you know, on the mound, on the baseball field. What are some of those favorite baseball memories that you have? Yeah, so one of my favorite baseball memories is, so my catcher, LJ, um, He'll come up if I'm if I'm like messing something up. He'll be like, "Hey, dude, your pants are see through." I'm like, "No, they're not." He's like, "Made you look like he'll get my mind off of stuff." And like, when we're out of town at these big tournaments, we'll go eat somewhere. And I I don't know. I guess I always just like that, just that bonding, bonding together as a group, as like a really tight group. Um, just hanging out. Like, even practices are awesome with these guys. Like, we're just so tight, so close together. So um, you, you talk about the USA event that you guys attended. And I remember I was watching a YouTube video where you guys were playing, you know, in Cary, North Carolina against some of you know, the other top teams in the country. Um, so, I mean, I haven't really had a player who played in that tournament yet. 
So I kind of wanted to dig into what that experience was like, you know, maybe that day to day, what that experience, what the competition level was like. Take us through that event a little bit. Yeah. So you show up there and it's just these huge stadiums. And so you're walking down, you're walking down these steps and it's like you look around and you're like, holy moly, like this is intimidating. And so you just kind of have to just chill out, take some deep breaths. Don't worry about it. Uh, you warm up. You're still just looking around. You're like, these guys are huge that I'm playing against. Like, I don't. Maybe I want to restart that answer. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. I don't really. Huh. I don't know. You want me to re-ask it? Yeah. All right. Um, Sorry. No, you're good. So you talk about that USA baseball experience you guys had in Cary, North Carolina. I mean, I know I was watching some YouTube videos. I saw Canes National. I believe the Indiana Bulls were there as well. Texas 12. Just saw a bunch of like documentary type videos of, you know, just digging through what that event was like. And from my point of view, you know, being a fan, being a, you know, just an outsider, it looks like that event was incredible. So take us through, through your eyes, what that event was like, you know, maybe that was just the experience in general, the day-to-day, the competition level, take us through what that USA baseball event was like in Cary. So, yeah, you walk in and there's these huge stadiums and you're just looking around and you're like, this is crazy. Like you're thinking, it feels like you're in the MLB at that point. And you're looking around and you see a bunch of these big name guys that are all around you, like guys are chunking 95 at you and you're there like you 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 show up there and you realize like you need to bring it so I guess we're like we walk around the day before going to stores just mess around as a group and we're talking about it we're like we're playing blah 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 like we need to work on this before we get there so we'll talk about like what we need to do to get ready we'll talk about all this other stuff but yeah, you show up and it is, it's insane. Like it, it's kind of hard to put it in words. Yeah. So facing up, you know, playing in that, you know, the, the tournament in North, uh, in North Carolina, the WBA Lake point, I'm sure Hoover potentially as well, maybe some facilities in Texas. What has been the favorite baseball facility that you have, you know, maybe uh, competed in or whether that's a game practice, what are some of the, some of those favorite facilities that you've been to? Yeah, I really like, Cary, North Carolina. Like I said, it's it's these huge stadiums. Like the atmosphere is just baseball. It is baseball. And that's what we're there to do. So there's really not much to distract us there. It's it's awesome. I love it there. Yeah. So playing up against the high caliber competition that you guys that you guys as a Texas 12 always are, who was the toughest at bat that you've had so far, you know, as a pitcher and then on perfect game, you're listed as a first baseman as well. So as a hitter as well, uh, what are some of those toughest opponents that you have faced so far in your baseball career? Yeah. So this is actually a hard question. I don't, there was one kid. Oh, oh wait, wait, wait. Okay. I have it. Can I, can I restart it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, so the toughest batter I think I've faced is Cooper Fulbright. He is, like, he's a right-handed hitter. He's A&M commit. He always finds a way to put the bear on the ball, and it is annoying. Yeah. He plays uh, at Texas 12 with me. He plays on my team, and he, he goes to my high school, too. So we play with each other a lot. Even knowing, like, what pitches he can't hit as well, he always hits it. And, I, <laughs> like, I can't find a way to get him out. So I, guess, him, I don't know. Yeah. So with him playing on your high school team too, I mean, I take it your guys' high school baseball team is pretty stacked. If you have a TCU commit, Texas A&M commit as well on that same team. Um. So, I mean, Texas high school baseball, like I said, before we started recording, you know, I, I, I look at the top baseball states in the country as, you know, Florida, Texas, California, uh, maybe Georgia and Arizona, if you want to throw their, those in there. But I mean, there's not very many states that are close to those big three states. Um. So take us through maybe your high school baseball experience last year as a freshman, what it's, what it was like, um, you know, playing up probably for, I assume a good high school baseball team, uh, take us through last season. And then maybe what you're looking forward to this year as you head into your sophomore season. Yeah. So straight Jesuit, we opted into six a as a private school. So freshmen aren't allowed to be on varsity. So I played freshman ball last year, which actually it was awesome. It was one of the most fun seasons of baseball I've ever had because I get to just, just play 
with my classmates, the everybody I know. I'm super close to everybody also on that team. Um, but yeah, it was fun. Um, but I mean, we had two commits chunking against a bunch of freshmen. Like it, I'm, I'm excited this year for the, uh, just facing older people. Like, so, uh, it was two falls ago. I pitched with the 2023s. And so I guess I'll kind of be facing the same age people this year on varsity. So I'm really excited for that this year to yeah. face some older kids. So what's the outlook? So obviously you have you, your teammate, and your class that's committed to A&M. But who are some other guys on your baseball team that, you know, maybe Texas high school baseball fans should be on the lookout for? And then what you guys are expecting out of this season, you know, playing up there in 6A? Yeah, so Colin Sloan, he's our third baseman. He's a Yale commit. He's a dog. Uh, we also have Clay Richardson. He has the record for the most stolen bases at Strake. He's a dog. He's so fast. Just a short – Short kid. He's one of the nicest people I know too. And he's he zooms. Yeah. And then uh we all ha we also have Cooper Fulbright, which I talked about earlier. He's a pitcher slash uh middle infielder. He's amazing. And uh Harrison Aquero, he's our outfielder. He's also really good. So what does the competition level look like there in the spring for you guys? Like when you guys are facing other teams in the state of Texas. Are a lot of other teams having, you know, power five commits like like your guys' team does? What does that look like on a game-to-game -game basis? Yeah, so we play some really good teams. We play Alvin. Uh, we always are pretty close to them. We have our schedule this year is against some some really, really, really good teams. So we're going to have to bring it. Um, but I think we're going to do equally as good or not – or if as good or better than last year. Last year we went – far into the playoffs we made it to the uh the semis i think okay so with, sure. you, with you being listed as a pitcher and a first baseman what does that look like are you in the plan in the future when you head to tcu are you planning on being a pitcher only a two-way what does that look like and then what does that look like when you're playing for the 12 and for high school baseball yeah so for high school this year um i'm not sure yet because i wasn't on varsity last year but i'm expecting to uh to hit pitch and play first base but for 12 I'm a PO and so that's kind of what I'll be in at TCU I feel like a two-way life is a pretty hard life at I'm college ball yeah I, I we have a we have one two-way player here on the IU baseball team and I was talking to him about it he was like man he goes this I mean, let it like not even a two-way player as well. Like I was talking to some catchers too, and they were talking about, you know, you have to hit, you have to go catch a bullpen, you have to go, you know, be in the scouting report meetings for, you know, the, the hitters on the other team, on the pitchers on the other team. Yeah, you got like man, two like, different two different meetings each day, like a, a first base meeting, a pitching meeting. You got it's just double the work, I guess. Yeah, I I, I can't I can't imagine. I mean, I can't imagine you playing college baseball what that's looking like. I mean, I'm talking to some of these guys, you know. They're on the field or at the at the facility for so many hours each week. I'm like, I can't imagine you know, uh, being there for the pitching stuff and the hitting stuff. Um, yeah. But with you being, you know, a PO and that's kind of, you know, where you're kind of focused on, you know, is in the future. Arm care is very important. I know you kind of talked about how, you know, your ramp up is almost completed for the for the winter slash spring. So take us through what the arm care routine kind of looks like, you know, in the off season, you know, when you start to deload, when you start to ramp up and, you know, how you kind of go about, you know, ramping, uh, ramping up for the season. Yeah, so the deload uh, is after our last tournament of the summer ball. So I'll stop throwing for four-ish months, and I'll pick it back up in probably uh, November. And it's very tedious because when you start off, you're just throwing like 10 pitches 15 feet away, and you build that up every, every day. Some days you'll take some rest, of course. But it's very tedious because I just want to get up there on the mound and light up the radar. But – it's it's a very long, very long process. I'm sure. Like, yeah. Go ahead. No, yeah. Like I said, it's it's just you just want to get on the mound and throw. Yeah. So you talk about getting up on the mound and throw and just throw past people. What does that pitching repertoire look like? You know, you have the fastball, but what what are some of those other you know secondary pitches and what do those certain pitches look like? Yeah. So I have two fastballs. I have my four seam and my two seam. My four seam sometimes will have a little cut to it. Just depends on the day. And then my two seam will have some run to it. And when it's on, it's on. And my go-to off speed, which has um, produced a lot of swing and misses or 
buckle people up is my slider. If I want to throw it for a strike, like some people throw it, get me over curveball. I do sometimes, but I love my slider because I feel like I can command it more. If I want to throw it for a strike, I'll start it behind his head, behind the batter's head, and it'll curve in. Or behind his hip, kind of like in the middle of there. And it'll curve in. It all just depends on the day. Yeah. And my curveball is not really a 12-6 curveball, and it's not really like a a slider curveball is what I used to call it. Because it, it used to be a slider curveball. Yeah. But I've kind of evolved that. I just got, got a new grip for that. And so it's kind of in the middle of there. So having that two-seam, having that four-seam fastball, you know, which which fastball did you, you know, maybe start your career with? And how did you develop whatever that secondary fastball was from that first one? Take us through that and you know, how you started to develop that pitch. Yeah, so this one's pretty funny. I started off with the four-seam. I've done that for almost all my life. And then one of my friends, I was like, why is your ball moving so much? Like, like what is that? Because I was still pretty young. He was like, it's a two-seam. I was like, what's that? So, and I tried it, I tried it, um, and I, it, it just wouldn't move for me. So, I asked one of my coaches, and he told me to pronate, and so I did, and then it just ran. So, I was like, I kind of like this pitch. So, I kind of, I put that in the mix with it. Um, I'll throw, that's not normally my first pitch, like, to my first pitch to start off the A-B will be a four seam, but then I'll throw a two seam in there sometime. But, yeah, it's just kind of. It was kind of a funny story. Just saw my friend doing it. So I was like, okay, I'm going to try it too. Yeah. So with those other secondary pitches, how did you develop them? Like when did you start developing those? And how did you go about, you know, adding those pitches? Because I know each pitcher has, you know, a little bit of a different way of adding new pitches. So take us through the development of those other secondary pitches. So, yeah, I used to, uh, when I was at Lamar Little League, uh, can't remember how old I was. I threw a curveball and I thought it was the dirtiest curveball ever. And then my coach was like, that's a slider. I was like, what? And so that was my slider grip. And I thought I was throwing a curveball, but it was a slider. So and I was like, wait, I want a curveball now. So and I went to a pitching coach. Um, he taught me the grip. Um, so I threw that for a little bit. And then I went to a new pitching coach. And he was like, let me see how you're holding that. So I changed the grip. And now it's it, it kind of has a different movement. Like I said, it used to be kind of around a little bit now it's kind of in the middle of a 12-6 and a slurve okay so with that four seam that two seam the curveball and the slider are you pretty set with the pitching repertoire that you have or are you planning on you know potentially developing you know a fifth pitch to be part of that pitching repertoire yeah I've seen a lot of MLBers I don't know if you've seen it too it seems like sinkers are starting to become the new thing like I've seen so many of them kind of develop that and I've never really tried to throw one. I don't even know how to how to grip it, but I feel like I'm going to learn that one day. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like I just see a lot of MLBers and college people. They're starting to kind of use that more and more. So I think I want to try and develop that. Yeah. So you said you've had a couple of different pitching coaches here these last couple of years as you develop your repertoire, you know, just develop your game in general. What are some of those relationships you have with pitching coaches and you know, maybe some of the things that these guys have developed within your, within your game the most? Yeah. So David Evans is the one I'm going to right now. And I've heard great things about him. He's out of premier. Uh, it's like, it's a baseball field out here. Um, probably about 30 minutes from my house. And so I heard it from somebody or my dad heard it from somebody and then he told me about it. So I texted him. He texted me back like two days ago and I walk in like to his facility and it is just 20 MOB guys, 15 college guys. I'm like walked in and my, my jaw dropped. I was like, who am I pitching with? And so I was warming up. There was a guy on the mound next to me pumping 95. He's like, why am I throwing so slow today? And so I, I was pretty intimidated, but he is a great pitching coach. He's really helped me with my mechanics that I was struggling with. He's helped me with all that. Like I used to pull my head off a lot uh, when I was pitching, like I would throw and my head would be completely sideways. And now he's kind of helped me go around my head, um, just work on that. He's helped me with a lot of stuff. Yeah. So what are some of the mechanics that you have? If you could dig through the mechanics of your pitching windup, what are some of those mechanics and how do you develop those um, mechanics over time? Yeah. So my back leg, when my front, so I have a really high leg kick 
when be, whenever my uh, front leg's going up, I make sure not to bend my back knee. So my foot's right here. Make sure not to bend my knee over my foot. So I kind of keep that. I need to stick my butt out and get into my hips more to keep that from bending. So that way I don't fall forward and try and compensate for that with my head. And then he also helped me. Um, he changed my whole arm slot. It and it, it helped a lot. So it was at the end of the uh, the um, lesson. I threw a lot that lesson because we were working on something. And I was exhausted and I was still throwing 88, 87 with that new mechanics he taught me. And it's, it's really helped with accuracy and velo. And it's also helped, I think with my curveball and slider. Yeah. So going to a pitching coach that has, you know, you walk in, there's 20 major league baseball players, you know, training there that day. Have you had the opportunity to, you know, train with a couple, you know, professional, whether that's minor league, major league guys. Um, have you had the opportunity to do that yet? Oh Yeah. So I was warming up with one, getting ready to throw, and he was throwing like 90 at me, and I missed the ball, and it hit me square in my leg, and I still have the bruise from four weeks ago. And he plays for the Dodgers. I walk in. They're all so welcoming and nice. It's it's not intimidating there either, um, but you definitely walk in, and you're like, holy crap. Like, Yeah. So when you're around guys like that, you know, guys who are, you know, just they're, they're pumping 95 and complaining that they're throwing slow, uh, playing, you know, playing, playing professional baseball. What are some different ways that you go about picking the brains of those guys, you know, while you're training with them, you know, trying to develop your game? What are some different, you know, different questions or just what different things you're picking their brain about? Yeah, I'll definitely just watch them and try and like sometimes I'll try and imitate what they're doing. And if it doesn't work, then I'll just watch the next guy. And I feel like that's definitely rubbed off on me like they'll like push me and it's just kind of like a friendly thing they're like just throw it faster and I'm like okay and I try you know it's it's just friendly they push me and I learn from them I learned like there was some warm-up thing that I wasn't doing and I started doing it and then it's really helped loosen up my arm and every like it I don't know they've just kind of helped me through some stuff yeah so flipping it around to when you're actually hitting and playing first base, I know you said you have you have three springs left of that. You're kind of focused on being a PO when it comes to Texas 12 and for TCU. But if you could dig through your hitting approach, you know, when you're walking up to the batter's box, what are you trying to do with each at bat? What's going through your mind? Take us through what the hitting approach looks like, you know, even though you're not, you know, solely focusing on that, you know, too often. Well, of course, mainly as a PO, I'm trying to hit bombs. <laughs> So, no, I walk up and I look for the first pitch fastball. And most of the time, if it's a first pitch fastball, I'll swing. Um, if it's not, then I'll take it. And then I just need to choke up a little bit after I get that first strike. Um, and I just need to just think about, like, what – it just depends on the guy. Like, if he's mainly a fastball guy, then I'll choke up a little bit, scoot back in the box. And if he throws a lot of curveballs, change-ups, and stuff like that, then I'll scoot up in the box, chuck up a little bit more, and then just watch it and see what he does. Um, but, yeah, I just it, it kind of just depends on the guy. Yeah. So so digging into your scouting report a little bit, you know, when you're on the mound, you're interacting with some of your teammates, you know, in the dugout, interacting with your catcher, and even if you want to throw in their hitting and fielding as well, what would be your personal scouting report on yourself if you were a Major League Baseball scout watching you play down there in Texas this spring? Um, I feel like they would say that, I don't know, it has this on most of the reports I get, uh, good frame, uh, six foot two, uh, around 200 pounds. Um, he uh, gets downhill very fast. I'm pretty explosive with my arm. Um, the one weakness I think that I'm really focusing on right now is yanking my head. Um, I feel like that's kind of helping, uh, not when I don't do that, it really helps with my accuracy and also my velo. So, um, that'll be one of the weaknesses, um, on the mound. The other one, uh, the other weakness when I'm hitting would definitely be, I also yank my head out when I hit too. <laughs> Cause I, you know, I'm a PO, I'm trying to hit bombs yeah, here. Of course. Uh, so, so besides yanking your head, this is my last kind of baseball question I got for you. So besides yanking your head, what would be some of those just biggest things you're wanting to work on or biggest things you're wanting to develop before you head to TCU there in the summer and the fall of 2025? Yeah. So the biggest thing is definitely um, just staying uh, in the gym, 
three to four times a week, getting that jog in on Saturday morning, uh, just kind of staying with my, my routine. Um, I need to ice my arm after every time I throw. Um, I also do cryotherapy, which helps a lot. It helps uh, after you throw, like get the stress out of everything. Um, I want to work on sitting like my velo. I want to be on sitting low 90s. And I also want to work on the uh, accuracy of my curveball. Okay. So you, you talked about therapy. What, what type of therapy was that? Cryotherapy? Cryo. It's Cryo. staying in a freezing chamber. It's like negative. I don't even know. It's freezing. Where do you even go to have that? Because I, I know here in the Midwest, we don't have stuff like that. I don't believe. But where do you go? Where do you go to have that type of stuff done? It's just this place in Sugarland. I can't remember the name. But they have like cryotherapy they have these water chambers you sit in like they have they have it all yeah it is it's it's really kind of it's weird at first because you're literally standing in a freezing chamber so what what are the benefits of doing that like what does it do to your body it just kind of loosens everything up it like gets the stress out of it um out of everything like what after i do it after i throw like sometimes i do it the same day and my arm will be completely fine the next day like it keeps you from being sore, it kind of like just builds everything back up after you throw. It's it's awesome. Okay. All right. So digging into my last set of questions here, I like to ask everybody as we end off the podcast, I call them rapid fire. Um, mm. So when you're looking into, you know, all the coaches that you've had within your baseball career, you know, Coach Bennett, the pitching coaches, or just anyone within your baseball career, who would be the most influential two to three people that you've had in your career? And what would be the reasoning for them being so influential? I'd say definitely Coach Bennett and my parents and my friends because uh, Coach Bennett, uh, like I said, he always strives for us to be the best that we can. He always tells us to like be nervous and afraid in a sarcastic way. So it kind of, that helps calm us down a little bit. And my parents have, you know, always been there for me. Uh, when I couldn't drive myself, they would drive me hours and hours on the weekends to, to baseball tournaments and they would drive me three days a week to the gym and then one more day a week to go hit and then another day to go run at the park. And then my friends also, they're like, just always there for me. They always know they're like, you can do this. Like you got it. Like, don't stress about it. You can do it. So they're, they're always just encouraging. Yeah. So you just started driving. I did in September. Okay. So what, what, what do you, so what are you driving right now? My dad's old truck. Okay. What, what type of truck is that? F-150. F-150. There we go. I'll, you know, with you down there in Texas, I assumed it was going to be a Ford product. We'll just, yeah. just to make sure. But uh, no, so thinking into question number two there. Um, so when it comes to passions, I know you said you're, you're an outdoorsy kid. You like doing outdoor stuff. But what are some of those passions that you have, you know, beyond the game of baseball? Yeah, I love to hunt and fish. Like I just got done fishing earlier today. So that's what I was doing today. I also love the gym. Like some people dread it and they just go for sports. I find it as a way of therapy. Like I love it. It's just a way to get everything out of your mind for a little bit, get rid of schoolwork, get everything out of your mind, uh, just work out, have fun with your friends. And then hunting, of course, I just love hunting. I, I don't really know how to describe it. It's just, you just sit, sit there and it's just peaceful. I'm sure. So when you hit in the gym, what are you hitting? Like, are you a big, you know, bench press squat, you know, like main lift guy, or do you do, do a lot of the auxiliary stuff? Cause I know baseball players, you know, I did it. I did it the wrong way when I was in high school, you know, I was a football baseball player. I was like, yeah. you know, I'm trying to put as much weight on this bench press on the squat rack <laughs> as possible. But I know, you know, like a lot of baseball players tend to focus on other stuff. So when you are hitting the gym, kind of what, like, what's your focus, you know, on a, on the day to day. And like, what are some different days look like for you? Yeah, so I work out at OSP. It's a great place. Uh, I think it's optimal sports performance. Um, I work out there with uh, Cooper Fulbright. Like I said, the A&M commits, so we we both push each other. We're like, get it up or you're a wimp or something like that. Yeah. And then so you have to get it up at that point, right? So um, most of the workouts that we have are like agility. We don't do much like heavy bench press stuff. We do some heavy legs. But then after that, we'll like roll out, we'll do some agility, like sprints and stuff. It's mainly, it's, it's very, it's kind of hard to say it, like how it is. It's very baseball workouts. I'm sure. 
So digging into motivations. So, you know, what is it that, you know, just motivates you to get up out of bed in the morning, you know, go win the day, go get 1% better. What are some of those motivations that, you know, just help you throughout life? Yeah. So I picked up, uh, I forgot who said it. I saw it on a video one time and I wrote it under all of my hats, prove it. Like you, you have to prove it. You have to prove that you can be the best, that you deserve to do this. You deserve to do that. Like you have to prove it. So I wake up and I'm ready and I'm thinking about it in the shower. I'm like, I have to prove this. I have to prove that. Like I need to be the best that I can be today to be the best that I can be tomorrow. Okay. So taking that question a little bit further, you continue to prove it, continue to get better on a day-to-day basis. What does that perfect picture of your life look like 20 years down the road? till you'll be what, like 36, 37. Mm-hmm. What does that life look like? Everything's going right in 20 years. All right. So I have a big house in the hill country, retired on a bunch of land with some ponds to fish, of course. And okay. then I'll have great four years playing baseball at TCU, and then I'll have a great however long in the MOB. So and is that, that, that going to be? That's my perfect picture. Okay, and um, that's uh, that's I mean, great perfect picture. Is that going to be in Texas, or, or are you planning on you know maybe moving somewhere else in the country? It depends where baseball takes me. But after baseball, I'd say I'm definitely coming back to baseball. I mean, I mean to Texas. (laughs) (laughs) So they're in Richmond. Like, so I guess when I went to Texas, like I felt like there was like, you know, when I went to Dallas to Fort Worth, I also went to Waco. Like there's a lot of, you know, different cultures just within the state. Like what does, I guess, like, what are you looking forward for in Texas when when you do come back to the state? Like, are you planning on going back to Richmond, going somewhere else where maybe it's uh, like, you know, countryside? What does that look like? Yeah, I was thinking more like a countryside place because, I don't know, I just, like I said, my hobby is hunting and fishing. Like, that's kind of the best place to do that, just kind of be away from everything, away from the city, all the noise and everything, just have it be peaceful. Um, Yeah, so definitely the countryside. Okay. All right, man, down to my last question here on the JKR podcast. So this is the question I ended off with every, you know, high school guy who's committed to a Power 5 or a collegiate baseball player. So, you know, NIL is a new thing NCAA came out with a couple of years ago. Um, when you do head to TCU and you get that opportunity to capitalize on your name, image, and likeness, what would be one dream brand that you would love to endorse? I was thinking about this. I cannot choose between Nike or Rawlings because I have been using Rawlings glove for forever. I have custom heart of the hide. It is amazing. But Nike makes some awesome stuff. Like my cleats, I wear Nike. My shorts, I wear Nike. Like I always wear Nike. Um, so I, I don't know. I can't really decide between those two. Yeah. I mean, those are both pretty common answers. Is TCU, is that a Nike school or are they rocking something else? I think they're a Nike school. Are they? Okay. I know their cleats are. Oh, yeah, yeah, they definitely are then, yeah. I mean, yeah. Nike, Adidas, Rawlings, a Lululemon, that, I mean, those are probably like the four most popular when it comes to like when I ask mm-hmm. them that question, people say. But, you know, man, that's all the questions here I have for you on the Texas 12 Baseball Series on the JKR Podcast. Really appreciate you coming on the pot, coming on the show. Uh, I want to mm-hmm. wish you the best of luck, you know, this spring. I know you said you guys are starting there either this week or next week. Um, So best of luck this spring, best of luck this summer, and just the rest of your career. You know, when you're going to TCU, going to play pro ball, best of luck there. And like I said, just really appreciate you coming on the JKR podcast. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me.